welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Jenny, and I run all the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. And I'm Marcus, and I like sweet and sour I was hoping fried rice. I was hoping you'd say, and I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I do like turtles. Next time. I'm Stephanie, and I'm the employee of the month at Modest Coffee. Uh, for 34 months running. That's right. So we're doing a, this is a bonus episode that you're listening to. When Steph did Coca-Cola, there was so much fun information. So much good content. I so- mean, I didn't even get into probably... 80% of it, there's so much out there. Well, the funny thing is, is that like we were going through doing our normal thing, you know, making an episode and there was these parts that that didn't quite fit into the story that we were telling, but were so good on their own that we wanted to share them with you guys as like a little like a little whipped cream on the <laughs> top of, of an episode for you guys to enjoy. So so we hope you enjoyed the Coca-Cola episode that we just released a couple of days ago. Um, and we hope that you also enjoy these little bonus facts that, you know, Steph says that there's a ton, but Steph picked out some really good ones for us to learn about. And we didn't want to let, leave those on the cutting room floor. Oh, thanks, you guys, for resurrecting them into this bonus episode. So, yeah, we hope you really enjoy this episode. So in 1886, when Coca-Cola first added carbonated water and was sold as a fountain drink, it cost five cents. And it was marketed as the affordable option, the affordable patent medicine option, because (laughs) most fountain drinks at that time were seven or eight cents. Oh, Mm. look at them undercutting. Um, And giving cocaine, let's just be clear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a third of a line, yeah. Like yeah. half a line, right? Um, by 1899, soda fountains were really popular, but bottling was not. Asa Chandler was approached by a couple of lawyers from Tennessee who offered him a dollar for bottling rights of Coca-Cola. Oh. Wait, one dollar per bottle? No, no, no. A dollar. Wow. Okay. All right. Somehow he still made a billion dollars. So, okay. Right. I'm here to listen to how he turned a dollar into a billion. He thought that bottling would never take off. He just didn't think it would happen. So somehow he like signed off on that. The contract had no expiration date. Wow. Like when you look at a can of, or a bottle of Coke somewhere, I've seen it say like Coca-Cola bottling company. Does that end up being different? Well, <laughs> in 1900... The way it worked was Asa Chandler had essentially agreed to sell Coca-Cola for the same price forever. Mm -hmm. He was selling them the syrup. Okay. And they were adding the carbonated water and bottling it is, I think, the way that works. Maybe he gave them a dollar to use the licensing of the name Mm Coca-Cola. And then um, then and then he then he probably sold them syrup wholesale. So that's maybe how they had that financial agreement. That's kind of still how bottling works with Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell the syrup and the bottlers add the carbonated water and the sweetener. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Oh. Yeah. That's unexpected. Which is why different countries have different sweeteners. Wow. wow. I did not know that. Mind blown. All right. Yeah. It's all high fructose corn syrup in the U.S. It's all cane sugar in Mexico. 
I would assume the U.S. is mostly the only place with high fructose corn syrup because most countries don't really think that's something you should ingest. Mm -hmm. My understanding of how bottling works now is that it's kind of a franchise model. Hmm. Um, Coca-Cola sells the syrup and the bottles add, the bottlers add the carbonated water and sweetener and they package it and they Oops. cheers distribute it. Um, but in the United States, Coca-Cola like ended up buying some of the bottling companies. That makes sense. Is it regional? It's regional. They have mm. um, bottling facilities all over the country and all over all countries. So it could be that here in Illinois, the Coca-Cola company owns the bottling company, but if I go to California, that's owned by a private company that does the bottling. Right. Potentially? Right. It and sounds... it would be the same cans, the same yeah. looking cans mm -hmm. and everything? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Crazy. Okay. In the U.S. and Canada, Coca-Cola directly owns... 80 or 90% of the bottling. Hmm. But in other countries, they don't own any of it. It's okay. all, they're just giving them the syrup and the bottling company is doing Interesting. the Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's really, that's a, I mean, that's a business model that makes a lot of sense because it's also going to be really expensive to ship mm. cans and bottles worldwide from the United States. But syrup, a concentrate, right? much easier. Right. Also, let's the localization happen and yeah. lets people flavor it and sweeten it the way that they want to. And some uh -huh. of them are a little bit sweeter, yeah, depending on local tastes. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. hmm, smart. Um, so back to 1900, Asa Chandler sells the bottling rights and essentially agrees to keep the price five cents forever based on this funky, weird contract. As we know, bottling ended up being kind of a thing. It was popular. Um, they kept the same price for something like 70, 73 years. I was just about to ask Coca -Cola how Coca-Cola was five cents for 73 <laughs> years. Wow. Like through World War One, through World War Two. Like it was part of their marketing. You can find so many old Coke posters that say five cents, five cents. Because for 73 years, it wow. was five cents. Holy shit. And then what happened? Still made money. In the 1920s, vending machines became a thing. And that's part of the reason that bottling became mm. a thing. In 1950, Coca-Cola owned 85% of the vending machines in the United States. Whoa. Wow. Which was worth, I mean, I don't know what that is worth in today's money. I've always Millions. thought that was a pretty a good business. Right. Yeah. I mean. It is a good business. I've known people who have owned them. It's amazing how much you can make off those machines. Uh, Sarah's dad once gave me an idea to have a vending machine for coffee bags. He was like, there's this meat vending machine in South Haven, Michigan. And he's like, you guys have to get a vending machine to dispense bags of coffee. I think it's fucking genius. I don't hate that idea. I love it. Actually, it might be kind of cool to set up at like a farmer's market or something. Hell yeah. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. Wouldn't that be right. so fun? Right. If you have a vending machine that will store bags of coffee, contact us. In the 1950s. Vending machines could not reliably make change. Part of the reason they didn't want to change the price in the vending machines is they didn't want people to have to carry around more than one coin. And they didn't want to double the price to 10 cents because that seemed crazy after all this marketing <laughs> promising five-cent Cokes. In 1953, the president of the Coca-Cola company, Robert Woodruff, approached the U.S. Treasury Department and requested that they mint a seven-and-a-half-cent coin 
specifically for Coca-Cola vending machines. <laughs> Can you believe he had the balls to do that? Did it work? No, the U.S. Treasury declined. They were like, uh, no, fuck you. That's stupid. <laughs> Just so they can raise their price. <laughs> and by 1959, the five-cent Coke was a thing of the past. I don't know how that, I don't know who ended up deciding that that contract was okay to invalidate <laughs> at that point after 73 years. But um, the crazy contour bottles, the bottles that coca-cola comes in that are one of the most recognizable packages on the planet i mean iconic they were invented in 1915 uh coca-cola had a contest it invited all of its bottling companies to design a new bottle that they wanted it to be iconic they wanted it to be noticeable and different than any other bottle so there was a glass company a bottling company called root glass company in terre haute indiana And Mr. Root and the higher-ups at the company were like, we are going to win this. They were determined. They decided to design the bottle after one of the two main ingredients that were in Coke. So they wanted the bottle to either look like a coca leaf or (laughs) look like a cola nut. But they did not know what either of those things looked like. (laughs) (laughs) And it was 1915, and there was no Google. So they went to the library, and they could not find pictures of either of Hmm. these Plants. I mean, I kind of, you know what? They were trying. That was great. In the Encyclopedia Britannica, they found a picture of a cacao pod and decided it was close enough. (laughs) 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 So they designed this. I have a picture of this 1915 bottle that is... um, Nut-shaped? Yeah, kind of (laughs) nut-shaped. It's worth a lot of money if you can find one. So what happened was, because it was, it's very round in the middle, and then it's like smaller at the top and smaller at the base. Mm -hmm. And because the base was smaller than the middle, they kept tipping over on the conveyor belt. (laughs) That's so funny. I could see that happening. So they had to decrease the diameter in the middle, and that is how they ended up with the iconic Coca-Cola bottle. I mean, those are, that original one's kind of grenade-shaped, you know? I could see that being not so stable. (laughs) Right. Um, Here is when Coca-Cola took over the rest of the world. Um, The president of the company was still Robert Woodruff when World War II started. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, Robert vowed that every U.S. soldier would get a five-cent bottle of Coke wherever he was in the world, and no matter how much it cost the Coca-Cola company. But the good news is it didn't cost the Coca-Cola company anything because Coke was considered an essential product. Oh. So Coke employees were sent overseas in Army uniforms at the government's expense Wow. to build 64 bottling plants. What? I mean, it seems. lines. I mean, it seems like it might have just been easier to send them with a bunch of cases of Coke. Yeah, it's really I mean, heavy, to, though, to move, like, water and sugar I mean, and all that stuff. It's really heavy to build a plant. Um, yeah, I mean, supply lines, though, if you think about it, you Unless know. Unless they were trying to take Go Global with the company, and they were like, this is our excuse yeah. to Go Global. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their tragic marketing strategy. <laughs> Was to take pictures of U.S. soldiers with natives in whatever country they were currently stationed, all happily drinking Coca-Cola together. They would put the wording on the posters in the native language of that country. And... I mean, this is kind of genius marketing. Because if you put that poster up in the local market, people are going to see their own people in their own language drinking this drink. And they're going to be like, 
I gotta go check this out. What is this? Brought by these happy American soldiers who came to liberate them from the yeah. evils of communism or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So um, that's how Coca-Cola won World War II. <clears throat> they really <laughs> saved the world. They made, um, and speaking of World War II, they made special bottles for two different countries. One of them was Nazi Germany. Oh. Nazi Germany said, Coca-Cola hey. is a Jewish American drink and we don't fucking want it. What? So Coca-Cola solved that problem. They were like, oh, sure. We still want to work with you, Nazis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, great. We'll just put some swastikas Are on the bottles kidding for me? you. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. And that's how Coke sold in Nazi Germany. Fuck. Wow. During I, World War II. Wow. Stunned. That's where I am at right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, they only serve one master, and that's the almighty dollar. That's right. Fuck. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Jesus. Um, in the 1940s, during the Cold War, um, there, was a, there was a marshal of the Soviet Union named Georgi Zhukov. I don't think that's Wait, how you, you say that Soviet? first name. Soviet Union. Okay. It was the Soviet Union at that time during the Cold War. And, and Coca-Cola was still fine with it. They're like, this is fine. Well... Joseph Stalin was not fine with Coca-Cola. Stalin was like, we are not drinking that imperialist American swill. What's, Do not bring it into our country. What's the, what and symbol? Like, they oh, put the, like the, the, what's it called? <laughs> the, uh, the, hook, the hook and or the sickle and. Yeah, they put a sickle and <laughs> no, a sickle on it. They didn't. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> um, no, so this guy, Zukov was like friends with Dwight Eisenhower. Like apparently they had like the same position for each of their countries before Eisenhower was president. And they were like friendly and Eisenhower was a big Coke drinker and he offered Zukov some Coke and he loved it. But he was like, I can't, I can't drink this. If Stalin sees me drinking this, I'm going to. Like, I mean, Stalin got, like, kind of angry sometimes, I guess. Mm, I think it's the Russian tradition. <sighs> um, so what Coca-Cola did was they made a clear Coke. They took the caramel coloring out. They put it in, like, a rectangular clear glass bottle with a, with a white cap and a red star on it. And it looked like a vodka bottle. Because it was clear, it looked like vodka. This is the original Crystal Cola. Yes. Coke Crystal. <laughs> and then he could drink it. And somehow they like, like just getting it into the Soviet Union was also complicated. So it was like coming in from Austria somehow. And Stalin never found out that Zukov was drinking Coke. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Did they market it, though, to the people? I don't think they did. I think okay. they were bringing it in in small quantities. Just for this was the like, yeah. Just this for the is, oligarchs. This is, yeah, so this is like some legit, like, underground Coca-Cola. Yeah. I think that maybe Coca-Cola is how the Soviet Union fell. I'm going to go with that. They were passing that out the free Coke at the Berlin Wall when it fell. Somebody, like, Coca-Cola was there celebrating they're just on it with their marketing <laughs> their marketing is amazing right. they are like, like get, fill up that fucking truck and get there right <laughs> now, now. <laughs> we're actually this is like really the marketing part of this story because we're getting to um they literally have like the most aggressive marketing i'm like writing forever. notes down i'm like what what event do I want to be a part of and just fill up the coffee and just start throwing bags of coffee at people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what country is about to liberate themselves and fucking fly a bunch of modest coffee? Go to Ukraine. <laughs> right now. Oh, uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. That's not ready. Oh, boy. We got to wait a little bit first. There's got to be another country on the verge of liberation somewhere in the world that we could throw bags of modest coffee Hong to. Hong Kong. 
Okay. Yeah. You guys are okay with that. There's oh, like Hong 8 Kong, million sure. people that are, anyways. Yeah, 8 million bags. We're sending them. Hong Kong. Hong are Kong, you ready for your out. modest coffee? I don't know who's packaging 8 million bags. <laughs> yeah. They're already making them overseas. We could just bring the, we could just open up a plant. A bottling plant. A bottling plant in China. It'll be a lot easier to throw at Hong Kong. Marketing classes, college level marketing classes, apparently, I've never taken one, all teach coca-cola moving all the way ahead to the 1970s the pepsi challenge you guys familiar with this yes oh i do i'm familiar with this story so yeah tell us about it though because i don't remember the 1970s in the early 80s i went to the mall and took the pepsi challenge the blind taste test pepsi versus coke oh who won? i remember it like i don't remember much from my childhood but this was a big deal that's awesome i chose coke and the lady was a little disappointed in me i could mm. tell from uh, her tone of voice i remember seeing these commercials on tv and i don't know if they're real people or actors but i do remember this pepsi versus coke challenge and every single time it was like pepsi's the winner never in a commercial it did coke win um but clearly in real life generally pepsi won Pepsi knew that their product tasted better. It's sweeter. They, it is sweeter, yeah. Uh-huh. They were outsold by Coke always, even though they believed they had a better product. So that is why they did this Pepsi challenge. And Pepsi overwhelmingly won. Hmm. Um, when Coca-Cola did their own like in-house testing, same thing. Like Pepsi won. And um, Around here, though, I feel like Coca-Cola is a Chicago favorite. For sure. I mean, it's it was still a favorite, which was what was crazy. Mm-hmm. So, so in April of 1985, the CEO of Coca-Cola, Roberto Guizueta, it's Cuban. How do you pronounce that? Guizueta? Guizueta? I don't know. Is it G-U-I? It's G-O-I. Oh. G-Guizueta? Guizueta. Um, he held a big press conference in New York City where he announced that they were coming out with a new, new Coke. Coke recipe. New, new Coke. Coke. I remember New Coke. That was going to taste better than classic Coke. Coke prices on the New York Stock Exchange started plummeting during the press conference. Holy shit. Like, no. Wow. Nobody was fucking having this. Nobody was having Do this. Do you remember, though, in like the 90s, they came out with like seven different versions of Coke. There was like <laughs> oh, Coke yeah. and then there was like Coke 2 and then there was Coke 6 and then there was New Coke and there was like, and all of them were sweetened. I don't even know if there was a difference between any of them, but we were a big Coca-Cola family and so we had every iteration of Coca-Cola coming through our house. Yeah, because they, they were getting their asses kicked by this Pepsi Coke challenge. <laughs> it was crazy. The protests were crazy. Protests? There were people like organizing <laughs> protests where they were like dumping coke into the streets there I, were so many letters and phone calls that coca-cola couldn't even keep up with it what it was like a disaster the bottlers their marketing was too good <laughs> they fucked themselves although again if i'm the ceo and watching people like literally buy my product just to dump i don't care yeah that's true like man our sales are through the roof <laughs> yeah you know what actually they was were the... laughing all the way to the bank right. for sure <laughs> They're like, keep protesting, please. What else controversial can I say? The tipping point was when the bottling plants started getting threats. What? Like the people working in the bottling plants were getting (laughs) threats from community. Like, 
In the South especially, because Coca-Cola is considered the Southern product. Really? Because it was developed in Georgia, and I guess Pepsi oh. is out of New York. Okay. Mm. It's like, so we got like an East Coast, South Coast <laughs> war. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the bottlers threatened to boycott. Holy shit. It took 10 weeks. It took 10 weeks for the president to hold another press conference. He was riding out those profits. That's what he was doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say no, no press is bad press. Right. All right. So 10 weeks later, he held another press conference, <laughs> apologized unreservedly for being an idiot, <laughs> and announced that Coke Classic would be returning. And what happened? Coke sold better than ever after that. What if it was all a ploy? Right. It's like people have accused him of that. Yeah. Mm. Like, All right, we're gonna make a we're gonna announce right now on the podcast. Modest Coffee is changing to all flavored maple bacon coffee. <laughs> Get it while you can. Get it while you can. We don't know when this change is gonna come, but it's coming soon. So no, you it's better happening now. You better stock up on Modest Coffee. Right. I'm on strike. <laughs> yeah. It took ten minutes. Uh, hey, classic modest is back. <laughs> um yeah, Coke sold better than ever and said that they the quote was something like, We are not smart enough or dumb enough to have done this intentionally. <laughs> uh the CEO a couple years later made the largest bonus. In the history of capitalism, $80 million. Wow. There was a lot of profits going around on that one. Um, when, when Coca-Cola Classic came back, at that point, most U.S. bottlers were already using high fructose corn syrup. A couple were still using sugar. Hmm. So you were right, Jenny, when you supposed to me earlier this week that it was just a trick to switch over to high fructose corn syrup. In a couple of regions, it was. Oh. In part, like, that is when they made the change. Mm. And that is also when they removed the last of the coca derivatives. Huh. They cleaned up their act. Well. Oh, well, yeah. They cleaned it up and dirtied it down. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever heard the term coca colonization? No. It's a real word describing what Coca-Cola has done to the world. Shit, man. The globalization of American culture pushed through popular products such as Coca-Cola. Wow. Um, that makes a lot of sense. France coined the term Coca-Colonization. Yeah, they, they did. They saw Coke as an attempt to make their country a U.S. colony. Isn't it hilarious that French people would accuse anyone of colonization of That's their country? Exactly what I just thought. <laughs> Although I do think it's funny that like we stole the original idea from the French and then yeah. we were serving it back yeah. to them and they were buying it in droves. They were like, yes, please. If you guys just want to drink Vin Mariani, we can keep our Coke. That's yeah. fine. Um, coca colonization is a term that's also used in medical literature to describe lifestyle changes leading to chronic diseases. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. So in anthropology, studying that, mm -hmm. every place that Americans show up, uh -huh. immediately health issues, food, diet, Coca-Cola. Um, I don't, I did not, future episode, we can talk about the death squads oh. and, um. All right. We're going to have to put the another. lawsuits. Sorry. Yeah, we'll just have to save that for the next Coca-Cola coffee episode. Just a trove, a wealth of information around yeah. controversy at this company. I'm glad that we can have like a part two eventually. I think there will be... I'm not actually glad, but I... Yeah. 
I predict another Coca-Cola coffee product coming down the line Uh any day now. So we will have another opportunity. Two countries where you can't buy Coke. There are only two countries on the planet where you can't buy Coke. Yes. Yes. Antarctica. Mm, No, that's a good question. Or a good guess. Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess the other one. North Korea and... Cuba. Yeah. Where? Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. Good. Good. I was trying. I was like, where is it? But my mind was stuck in Asia. Although, fun fact, Fidel Castro uh, does like Coke and was also really pissed about the new Coke. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to, like, piss off a dictator so much that he, like, wrote a letter to me. (laughs) And was like, bring it. Classic Coke back, <laughs> you monster. The president, the president of Coca-Cola at the time, who had the big um, press conference announcing New Coke, was Cuban. His father was a Cuban refugee. He said New Coke was the only time his father agreed with Fidel Castro. <laughs> <laughs> and it made him feel like shit. <laughs> wow. All Great. right. Everyone, we hope you enjoyed the bonus episode of Extra Coca-Cola Facts. It's not just all cocaine. There's also <laughs> marketing and wars and everything else. Yeah. yeah. And uh, learning how that got put together, oh my gosh, mind blown. So that was a great episode. Thanks, Steph, again for all of your awesome research. Such good research. Yeah, Aww, seriously. Thanks. We this enjoyed- was an easy one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We really enjoyed both episodes. Um, So if you also enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nobadreviewspod. You can also find us on social media at nobadreviewspod. So go ahead and give us a follow. Also, please, the most important is that uh, you tell your friends about our podcast. If you like it and you think your friends will like it, tell them. Um, and oh, you want to spice it up a little bit? Throw us a review. Give us a little oh. five star mention. Oh yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. yeah! On your on your podcasting app, follow us, like us on Apple Podcasts in particular. Uh huh. Because they make sure you give us a review there. That. They they're, do. They're looking for that SEO engagement, baby. Yeah, and then SEO for talking about it. Um, also, we're on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on every other place that you listen to podcasts. You can. Also, listen to us on our website if you really want to at nobadreviewspodcast.com. And if you want, send us an email at hello at nobadreviewspodcast.com. 